everyone, welcome back to another episode of Behind the Rainbow. I am your host, Elaine Chaya. First and foremost, make sure you subscribe to my podcast. I'm doing all my little thirsty plugs right now, as I typically do. So subscribe to my podcast so you can get the updates when my latest episodes come out right when they come out. And also make sure you follow me on Instagram at Elaine Chaya, E-L-A-I-N-E-C-H-A-Y-A. I'll put the link in the show notes because I love to get your feedback on these episodes, DM me, screenshot thoughts to me, and I respond to each and every one of you so make sure you holler after you hear this episode so this week is no ruse which if you guys aren't persian and you don't know what that is it is the persian new year so since i'm all about themes i got to put the theme on this podcast episode so i got the two girls natalie and millie from persian girl podcast to be my guests this week and we talk all things persian girls persian boys persian parents and persian culture everyone's favorite topics what i love about this podcast in the world of social media is that you can connect with people all all around the world and it's so cool that I've gotten to find these two girls from New York that I would probably never met otherwise I probably would not have spoken to otherwise if I didn't have this podcast and we've had some real conversations both on my podcast and theirs about dating and life and I actually am super obsessed with them because they're so funny and everything they say is just hilarious I wanted to do a battle between New York and LA and New York life and LA life and LA dating and New York dating so we kind of compare and contrast between the two basically they say New York wins and I kind of believe them and I kind of think I'm to move to New York after this episode. They're super controversial, which I love because you know I'm all about rainbows and unicorns and making everything so sweet and nice, but they tell it like it really is and how they really feel. You have no question their sentiments about things. So I'm excited to hear your thoughts. Do you guys agree with what they have to say? Do you disagree with what they have to say? Make sure again you send me some DMs and screenshots. I'm going to put in the show notes also a link to their Instagrams, their podcast, the podcast episode we did together on their podcast, all the things and more. So let me know your thoughts. Can't wait for you guys to hear this episode and happy Noruz, y'all. That was so not Persian. I think what you really say is Noruzit Mubarak. Is that how it really goes? All right. So this is going to go up for Noruz because we're so Persian. So I needed the most Persian girls I could ever get for this episode. I'm with my girls from the Persian Girl podcast, Natalie and Millie, and they are live from New York right now. So we're doing this across the States and I'm really excited. And I don't know if you guys know this, but I do a little monologue intro about my guests. So I'm going to start off with that before I let you guys speak. So it's actually kind of short. And I said this on your podcast episode we did, which I'm going to put your episode that I did with you guys in the show notes as well. Since I started my podcast in September, people have been like, oh my gosh, have you heard of the podcast Persian Girl Podcast? And I'm not kidding. Like at least over 10, 15 people have said this to me, like different people that aren't even friends. And I'm like, who are these Persian girls? And what is Persian Girl Podcast? You guys have built the hype. You have great marketing because now I was like, I need to listen to this. And I listened to your episodes. I'm like, these girls are super funny. And I just loved everything you're about. We'll get into how you guys came about with podcasts and what it's all about about. But I think you guys are making moves and why people are talking about it, especially in the Persian community, is that you guys are talking about taboo things like relationships and sex and all that kind of stuff that many girls, especially Persian girls, don't even talk about. So I think that's really cool and really special. So I wanted to connect with you guys because I think it's really cool to have Persians in different states. And I'm kind of thinking of this episode like the grass is always greener on 
the other side. And me and my friends are always like, we need to move to New York. It's always better there. Can I just interrupt you? The grass is definitely greener over here. It's not an illusion. <laughs> oh, it is. See, fuck. Okay, well, by the end of this episode, I'm going to be moving to New York, which weirdly enough, last week or so, I had a dream that I got a job in New York and I was testing it out and I woke up and I'm like, wait, I think I need to move to New York. Maybe this is the move. So we're going to convert people to that. So with this episode, I want to get people to know you guys and your story and kind of just talk about dating and life and being Persian girls in LA versus New York and all that kind of fun stuff. Okay. So if you guys don't mind introducing yourselves, telling a little bit about where you're both from, what you guys are studying and doing and how you started Persian Girl Podcast. This is so weird. It's our first time being interviewed and being on someone else's podcast. How about you start? Okay. So I am Millie, one of the co-hosts of Persian Girl Podcast. I was born in New York, but my parents moved me and my brothers when I was three years old to LA. So I grew up there, Beverly Hills area. It's hard to explain how I moved here, but I kind of was back and forth between New York and LA since college. But then I dropped out of school and I started a jewelry line. And then I just did a bunch of other things, basically tried to explore every career out there. And then at some point I was like, okay, I need to go back to school before I fail another random endeavor. So I came back to New York two years ago. And now I'm finishing my undergraduate degree at the new school. And I'm studying literature and fashion history. That doesn't necessarily mean I want to be a writer. I just like to study what I enjoy. And the podcast is kind of like my occupation at the moment. <laughs> After Natalie introduces herself, we can talk about how we even started that. Well, I'm Natalie. Born and raised in New York. A very proud New Yorker. As this episode goes on, you'll see how proud I am of being a New Yorker. Not um, being Persian. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm a very proud Israeli Persian. Proud to be both. I went to college in Manhattan. I graduated with a BBA in fashion merchandising and I thought that I wanted to be a buyer, which sounds so basic to me now. I actually just passed my real estate exam this morning. Woo! <laughs> so if I couldn't get any more Persian than having Persian Girl podcast, I'm now also going into real estate. I'm an only child. I'm a Gemini. I, don't, I, feel, like, I feel like this is turning into a dating app. I like long walks to the fridge at 1 a.m. I like how you say the bridge, the Brooklyn bridge, right? No, to the fridge. Oh, to the oh, fridge. <laughs> fridge is closer than the bridge. <laughs> Imagine I was that cute. Like, I take walks to the bridge. Like, no. <laughs> I took a walk on that Brooklyn Bridge, and that was freaking hard and hot AF. Oh, it's beautiful. I love walking across the bridge, but usually I just take walks to the fridge. <laughs> I guess we could discuss how we got started. Yeah. Basically, Millie, I guess you start, because it started with you coming yeah. back here. I was in the process of moving back to New York in the summer. Natalie was invited to uh, Britney Love, one of my family. It's like, raining a lot that night, even though it was summer. Actually, that's my favorite type of weather like summer rain add that to the dating profile too i like summer rains and walks to the fridge <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. So anyway, she was with me at this event and then we left and we didn't know where to go. We were in Long Island and we were just sitting in her car and pouring yeah. rain outside and we were venting to each other about all of these problems that are just really specific to growing up Persian. And we had this realization that neither of us had ever really had a friend this close that grew up Persian. So it was like this really liberating experience. And then we were like, wait, other people probably want to hear this too. Yeah, because basically leaving the event, I think I was driving Millie to drop her back off at the train or something and we were just talking about how everything everyone said at the Brit Mila was annoying
annoying us, like asking us you know, all these really annoying Persian-y questions. Are we dating? When are we graduating? When are you going to get married? Go talk to this boy over there in the corner. Just a lot of annoying questions. We left so, so frustrated. And I go to Millie, I'm like, growing up, I didn't have a lot of Persian friends because I found most Persian girls in New York to be kind of fake and they won't share these problems that they have with each other. And they're just fake in general, in my opinion, growing up. That's how I felt. Like, I didn't have anyone I could talk to about these Persian problems. I was like, oh my God, Millie, we should start a podcast. I'm like, literally nobody else is doing this because nobody else has the guts to say these things out loud, even to their own friends, let alone to thousands and thousands of people who could tune in and listen. I had the idea that we should record ourselves while we talk in my car, venting to each other, and then listen to the recordings and from there get an idea of how we should do a first episode. So that's kind of how it started. It all started with just us recording ourselves talking to each other. Yeah. I didn't even use the audio and voice note. I just got on, on my phone, used the camera, just put it on our lap. We talked for 30 minutes and then yeah. this was in the summer and we started the podcast seven months later. It's a bit intimidating and daunting to be that confrontational and also exposing yourself to that extent because I mean, I know that now there's starting to be discussion about what we've been talking about in the Persian community, but it's more about this kind of group therapy. There's no one really just laying it out there still. I don't know. Our frustration grew to a point that in January of 2019, it was just going to do this. <laughs> it seemed worth it to us. And what has been the feedback that you've gotten from people? Because again, you guys talk about these taboo things like sex that no one talks about or relationships. You even call out people that you've gone on dates with. I think something that we recently both hear very often is, wow, Natalie's so open about her personal life. <laughs> We've had really great feedback. There's very little passive aggressive feedback, but there is a bit of that. Like me, Natalie always make this joke that some people are like, wow, good for you. I would never do that, but that's so brave of you. As if like we're admitting to something bad. I find that strange, but in general, amazing feedback. Still, we haven't done any paid ads or anything. This is just a project we started for fun and neither of us have been able to even devote ourselves to full time because Natalie's working full time and I'm in school full time, but best believe when we're finished with that, it's going to blow up because we're going to put everything more into it. But just that it's gone this far and now everyone's going to think, wow, Millie's so conceited. It always oscillates between the lowest self-esteem to the highest. And Millie, when she talks about herself, she either sounds like she just woke up in a dumpster or she's like the queen of the world. <laughs> the queen. most humble person or the most conceited person. There's no in between with her. No, but basically we've gotten a lot of feedback. It's crazy that we get messages so often from people who are just like, I found this randomly just by searching Persian podcasts. Literally, they search those keywords and they I, find us. I can't believe people actually listen. I, I want to shout out Millie one more time. I've done it in the past on our podcast, but when we were thinking of the name, I was like, oh, let's call it not a typical Persian girl. And Millie's like, no, no, no. Let's call it Persian girl podcast because that's exactly what it is. And people are going to search Persian girl and we're going to be the only ones that they find. And that's how people are going to find us. And so many listeners so far have told us that they found us just by searching Persian or searching Persian girl. Praise Millie. What did your parents think about you guys doing this podcast? Are they okay with you being so expose and telling things about your life? In regards to my dad, me and my dad's relationship, the less he asks, the more we get along. So like, I think he still doesn't 100% get what I do because we just haven't gone into detail about it. But my mom is so proud of it. She listens and sometimes she'll 
quote things from episodes and I'm like, mom, you listened to that episode? She's like, yeah, I listened to all of them. I'm like, okay. And she'll share them with all of her friends. And sometimes they tell her, mom, honestly, some of your friends are a little bit more old fashioned than you are. You're very modern, but some of them aren't. Maybe you don't need to share it with all of them. She's like, no, no, no. I'm very proud of you. And this is a modern world and you're a modern girl. And if they don't like what you're talking about, they can turn it off. And I'm like, honestly, I love you. She's my number one fan. So my response is a bit similar. My dad, I don't think he's listened to the podcast, but he knows about it and is supportive of it, but he hasn't listened to it, which I kind of prefer to keep it that way. I find that he's a bit more reserved in the way that he speaks, whereas my mom is kind of the opposite, says whatever she wants. Even her family, she was not raised very typical Persian. In terms of the podcast, she is very supportive. And again, she just like Natalie's mom shares it with all of her friends. And I'm just like, oh my God, stop. But then a lot of my mom's friends are also really into the podcast. My mom is like, they all think you're so cool. They say you're so funny. Her, her friends were the ones who convinced her to start listening. I just realized like that's what had happened. Recently, I met one of Millie's mom's friends and she's like, oh my God, Natalie, it's so nice to finally meet you. I've heard you speak so much. And I'm like, oh my God, what have you heard me say? <laughs> People think that I say outrageous stuff, but honestly, Millie has edited out some of the more outrageous stuff. <laughs> it's been worse. Millie's just honed me down. <laughs> that's so funny. At first, you guys were not exposing who you were, right? It was anonymous? Yeah, it was anonymous. And what's funny, the most Persian thing that could happen is that multiple people, I believe it was multiple girls, made fake emails to email us and tell us, I know who you are, Millie and Natalie, but I'll keep your secret. Don't worry. I love the podcast. I could never do it, but good for you. They were also threats. They were like, you know, I could expose you. I would love to talk about why we made it anonymous in the beginning. We both felt that more people could relate to a figure rather than to a specific person. So we thought that at first we should just be a figure of anonymous outspoken Persian girl. It's more of like a figure that everyone can relate to and everyone will want to tune into and everyone will want to listen to as opposed to just like a specific person that they already know. That way there's no bias in the beginning because they don't know who we are. There's no, oh, I already know these people. I don't want to listen. It'll just be a figure and I felt like more people could relate to that. And then once we got enough of a following, we were just so proud of it that we wanted to like scream from the rooftop, this is us. We made this. So eventually we start posting it on our own Instagrams and social media and whatnot. Do you think, because I mean, I started my podcast already with a following. I'm a blogger. I'm always on social media posting all this stuff. Do you feel like now there's like this weight on your shoulders for you guys to post certain things or be a certain way? Or like you have to think about the things you post. Do you find it different now? People that come up to you because they recognize you more? No. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I think people like how transparent we are and how little fucks we give about our image. And that's the whole point of the podcast that we don't give a shit about an image. We're just us. Within the idea (laughs) of not giving fucks about image is actually a fuck given about image because that itself is the kind of image that is an aesthetic. No? Anyway, I definitely curate my image, but the curation of my image is not, oh my God, I feel like I can't post this. I can't post that. The whole point of my image is that we are outspoken. Before the podcast, I like to say that I'm a shit poster. I just said that out loud. I don't know. That's my internet vibe. That's a vibe. It's a vibe. But also, this isn't the first time that I've done something public on the internet. I started a YouTube, not that it got a lot of traction, but I do have a weird cult following. Most of them are on Twitter because I did fashion criticism for a bit. So I want to talk a little bit about the New York culture versus LA culture. Can you give us a little bit of a view of just like the New York community and Great Neck and how they are? Because I 
I don't know much about it. And I want to see how they're different from LA. And I think Millie, you can give a little bit about both because you've lived in LA for a little too. So I'll say a few things that growing up, I heard women adults from New York say about LA. They would say that LA Persians are a little bit more Americanized, a little bit more trashy and that we're better than them. When in reality, I just think New York Persians are a little bit more old fashioned and have recently started to become more religious while LA Persians are just more modern. It's like trendy to be religious in New York, no? Oh yeah. Oh my God. Great neck. I feel like I live in Jerusalem at this point. Why do you think it is that they're more religious there? I don't know. I don't want to bash anyone who chose to become religious, but I almost feel like it's this idea of purity. You know how like a lot of girls would lie that they're virgins so Persian guys will marry them? I feel like it's almost this idea of purity. Like I'm such a virgin that I became religious. Marry me. I feel like it's almost a competition of like how pure can you be? Sorry to sound annoying and academic, but I'm taking a class on 19th century dress in society and we read this article about the four qualities of femininity in the 19th century. Alleged qualities, of course. It's piety, purity, submissiveness, and domesticity. And I think that kind of prevalence <laughs> in certain parts of the Persian community, in my opinion. Not all Persians practice that or believe that, but definitely some do. They do attach those values to women, but I find in LA there is less of that. I mean, I'm from there. Yeah, it's definitely not as religious, but it's interesting how although we're less Persian in the sense that we're not as conservative, I find that Persians in LA are more in touch with their heritage. For sure, you guys they, speak yeah. better Persian than uh, we do. And do you think it's just the Persian girls in New York that are more religious or guys too? It's the guys too. I just think in general, I always felt like it was a competition amongst women. Who's a better mom? And depending how overbearing you are with your kids makes you a better mom. Like moms would be like, oh my God, your son is 15 and you still don't help him blow his nose? What, you don't care about your child? What, you don't cut his fruit for him? What kind of mother are you? I feel like this whole thing about Persian moms being overbearing and raising their sons to kind of be like doodle talas and cutting their fruit for them and doing their laundry for them until a really old age. They're not even doing it for their kid. They're just kind of trying to show off to other moms that I'm a better mom than you are. So I feel like it's kind of like that right now with being religious. Like I feel like people are trying to prove how wifey material they can be by how religious you're becoming. I don't know if that's bitchy to say, but... No, I mean, also I think something to consider is that in New York, there's this major dichotomy between suburbs and the city. You're either in Great Neck, which is essentially about fuck, no offense, and then there's New York City. I think LA, there's more of a middle ground. You're able to find this kind of moderation, whereas some people here, like, they'll grow up in Great Neck and they want to move to the city, but their parents won't let them. And maybe because they are not allowed to live in the city, they go spend some weekends there, get trashed. They end up doing something more risque than they normally would have because it's something that was prohibited. And then they're like, oh my God, I cleanse myself. So then they turn to religion to kind of forget. You know what I mean? And also it's a very boring place. And I think it's something to kind of occupy you, give your life meaning. But I may be reading too into it. I don't think I've ever mentioned this. This is something that started in high school in Great Neck. I went to like these Torah classes after school sometimes in high school. Children are going there because it's honestly interesting learning about religion and I love learning about it and I thought it was very interesting too. But no, it starts in high school in Great Neck. There's horror centers in high school and kids are becoming more religious in high school. It's not just a college marital type of thing. 
everything. Is it true guys in New York and Great Night get married younger because the guys here, good luck if you meet someone who's 30 and ready to get married. Oh my God, everyone here is getting married. By what age do you think guys are married there? Because girls, I'm sure it's like younger anyways. Guys are also younger. Like they're maybe late 20s and girls are early 20s. I don't know my whole story every week. It's an engagement. It's a wedding. Yeah, yeah. 28 guys, 24 girls. Also, I feel like some parents bribe their kids. You can only move out once you get married. You can only do this once you get married. It's just so ridiculous. Are you getting married because you're actually in love with the person or because you just want to fucking live in Manhattan already? Growing up, how have your parents been like about marriage with you guys both growing up and now do they give you pressure about getting married and about dating and all that kind of stuff? My parents don't pressure me. How old are you guys just to say it on the podcast? We're both 24. Going on 25. <laughs> Millie hates me for saying that. No, it's just we're not there yet. So why do you have to talk about it? In terms of marriage, they've never pressured me. Recently, I had a conversation with my mom because I'm graduating soon. She was saying, don't feel pressured that, oh, now you're graduating, that you have to just go find someone to marry. I'm in no way expecting that of you. I want you to first settle yourself down in your career. If you want to pursue your education, further. Settle yourself down first before going and submitting yourself to someone when you haven't grown to fruition yet. From a very young age, my mom was always like, I don't want you to be dependent on your husband. I want you to first establish your own independence so you don't enter a marriage being submissive to someone and having to rely on them and do whatever they say because they are the one providing. But at the same time, yeah, they're also like, but you should start dating. <laughs> so the same kind of goes for me. My mom's mom got married off in Iran at the age of like 13 my grandfather who was 17 and he got married so early because he wanted to move to Israel he was the first one in his family to move to Israel from Iran and they told him they're like you have to get married first if you want to move so they got married at 17 and 13 my grandma had her first kid at 14 she never really had a chance to be her own person so my grandma used to always tell me don't get married young go live your life travel do all the things I never got to do enjoy yourself experience your life same goes for my mom my mom always tells me she's like I don't want you to die with regret you know, I want you to visit all the places in the world that you want to visit. I want you to experience all of the things that you want to experience. But my parents tell me, oh, are you dating? Oh, are you seeing anyone? With me, I'm a more difficult person. I've never been in a relationship because I don't catch feelings easily. So like for my parents, like you're 24, like get a boyfriend already. What's up with you? I honestly, I turn to them, I look at them, I tell them, I'm like, have either of you in the recent present time, have either of you met a normal human being that you would want me to date? And they're like, honestly, no. And I'm like, exactly. There aren't many normal people out there. So trust me, if I found someone normal that I would want to date and that I had feelings for, I would go for it. I'm not like turning away guys left and right that seem great. It's just that there aren't that many. And then they just kind of shut up because they get that I'm telling the truth and that I'm right. Do you guys feel a pressure? Like, do you put pressure on yourself going to all these weddings? I know for me, I'm at weddings all the time here too. And it reminds you, okay, well, everyone else is on this timeline that I'm not. And it gets very pressure filled for me. Do you guys feel that way? I don't really surround myself and it's not on purpose, but I'm not surrounded by people who are like that. I don't have friends who are like that or in a rush. And I have nothing against it. I do have one or two friends that are like that. They're not people I see often. I think if I was with them often, I probably would feel some sort of pressure. It's very, very easy to succumb to that. But I don't really feel the pressure. And I don't go to Persian weddings very often. I'm not really in the Persian scene. Basically for me, right now, literally all of my friends 
friends are single. I have one friend who got married, but we don't even talk anymore. So that just goes to show how I feel about that. But I really don't feel pressured because I'm not saying this in a braggy way in any way, shape or form. But I meet a lot of guys who want relationships. And I feel like I could have been in many relationships at this point in my life if I wanted to be. It's just the fact that I haven't met many people that I want to be in a relationship with. So I think it's easy to settle down. I think it's easy to get married. I think it's easy to get into a relationship. It depends to what standard you hold yourself. And I'm not saying be picky, but I'm saying don't settle down just for the sake of settling down. Settle down when you meet the right person, which I think a lot of people don't do. When guys on dating apps or guys on first dates ask me, what are you looking for? I tell them straight up, I have never in my life been looking for a relationship. I've been looking for someone who makes me want a relationship, which has yet to happen. That's just my opinion. I really don't feel pressured. I think a lot of people I see getting married look like they're taking the easy way out because they think they're not going to meet someone better or they're scared they're going to be single forever. All these ridiculous things. And I don't think a lot of them are actually getting married because wow, I found the one. Not that I necessarily believe in the one. I believe there's multiple people for everyone out there. I just think a lot of people aren't waiting to find the right person. They're just doing it to do it. With that, in LA, I'm calling this an epidemic that's going on. There's so many Persian couples that I was like, they're forever. And I'm finding out they're getting divorces. Is that happening in New York too? And why do you think that is? It is happening in New York. I feel like more so engagements are being called off as opposed to divorces. I think people are realizing earlier on that this isn't right for them. I think people can date for years and years and it's not set in stone. So there's no nervousness of, is this the right person for me? So they're just kind of going the flow, dating, dating, dating. And then when it comes to getting engaged, they're like, holy shit, wait, is this the right person? So they're either calling off the engagement, even though they've dated five plus years, or they're getting divorced right after getting married. And do you think it's because of Persian community pressures and standards, maybe from parents and groups and stuff like that? Personally, my mom, whenever I tell her about a guy who wants to go out with me, she's like, listen, I have no opinion. My only opinion is I would want you to choose someone Jewish, which isn't a problem with me because I basically only date Israelis, which is actually a problem with me, but whatever, like we'll get into that later. But her only opinion is I just want you to be with someone Jewish. And other than that, I will never tell you what to do because my mom literally has PTSD from her friends because my mom has so many friends that kind of tore their kids' marriages apart because they didn't like the spouse. And then their kid never got remarried. Their kid is living in their basement in their late 30s, early 40s, still single. And they're like, what did I do to myself? I wish my kid was still with this person that I didn't like as opposed to just being alone. So my mom has learned from her friends' mistakes, basically. I want to get my parents some friends like that so they can (laughs) learn from that mistake before doing it to me. They're not the kind to meddle in relationships but I think it's also kind of more accepted to get divorced now. It's more common in LA. You didn't exactly ask this, but I feel like this is something a lot of Persian girls have. My parents don't think anyone is good enough. They're just expecting this person that's never going to exist. And I have really high standards, so if I'm saying that about my parents. Also, they don't put pressure on me, but they'll invite me to certain places or they'll know I'm going somewhere and afterwards they'll be like, did you meet anyone? And I'm like, no, I didn't think I was going to meet anyone there. I'm never going to meet the person I want at that type of place. I just went to this wedding or this party for fun. I feel like they don't really understand the type of person I'm expecting. Just the qualities that I'm looking for, they're not going to be found at a Persian party. So I'm definitely not on the search when I'm at Persian party. I mean, never say never. And to go with that, so how do you think the dating culture is in New York? Because I mean, in LA, it's very hard to go out, I feel right now and meet people because everything is so spread out. But when I was in New York from a more 
Memorial Day weekend, I met people left and right, whether it was like for dating or just making friends. You're at the subway, you're at a bar. There's so many people everywhere that it's easier. And I felt even like swiping on the dating apps when I was there. And the guys there were very more active, like, hello, how are you? Let's go out. Very on it, where I feel like people in LA are very lazy. So what is the dating culture like there for you guys? How do you meet people and all that kind of stuff? I know what Millie's going to say. She's going to say, nobody ever asks me out. No one ever approaches me. No one ever flirts with me. Because that's what Millie says all the time, which is false. But honestly, I want to say that my friend group, we spend a lot of time together, but we also all go on a lot of dates in our free time. Honestly, I think it's very easy to date in New York. What is harder in New York is getting to like a fourth date or fifth date. Yeah. But it's very easy to casually date in New York. Very easy. Everyone's constantly hopping around from bar to bar. Let's meet at this bar. I honestly think it's very easy because there's so many places to go to. It's easy to be spontaneous because we don't have to face the idea of traffic or someplace being closed. Everything is in close proximity to each other. There's just a million options. And same with people. The guys are out here on these dating apps like they're ordering on Amazon Prime. It's savage. Do you think the people on the dating apps in New York are just not that serious? Do you think people are looking for relationships? Actually, no. I think there are a lot of people looking for I think there are a lot of people looking for yeah. relationships. I don't know if it's just me, but personally, when a guy comes off too strong from the beginning, he's desperate for a relationship. It feels less genuine that he's actually interested in me. It just sounds like he's more interested in finding a relationship. And it sounds like if I turn him down, it's okay because he's just going to try to make a relationship with the next girl who comes along. And that is kind of a turnoff for me. When a guy seems too eager for a relationship, it's kind of like, I'm not special to you. Yeah, it's you just want a relationship it's like you with just wanna, anybody. You want to fall in love with a feeling, not a person. Yeah. It's disingenuous. I kind of want a guy that I need to chase. She's I, alone on that one. I think when guys meet me, they're like, oh, this girl is a girl that needs to be tamed because she's wild and like, I'm going to tame. So like, I want a guy who's wild as well and who also needs to be tamed. I don't want someone who's so desperate for a relationship that they'll get into a relationship with just about anyone who comes along. With that, so you guys always talk about sex, promiscuous stuff on your podcast. Do you think that guys are looking for that? Do you think it's a turnoff if you're like that? I've only had like a boyfriend for five seconds like a thousand years ago. Dated a guy who didn't like that and he didn't like that I hadn't gone out with so many guys and I'm not this promiscuous girl and that was the reason that he kind of ended it with me. So do you think, especially in the Persian world, they teach you that you should be that way, that you should be a virgin and you shouldn't have all these kinds of experiences. So it's kind of a two-way confusing street, I feel. You've been taught one way and then guys are saying to be another. I don't like when guys try to give their opinion about that at all. I've never even had a guy ask me, are you a virgin? Except for the one time I went on a date with a Persian guy. Let me just put that out there. That's not a normal thing to do in real life. That's something that Persian guys do and it's not normal at all. And anytime a guy does try to give their opinion, okay, like you're not a virgin, I respect that. I'm like, good for you. You respect that. I don't give a shit if you respect that. That's my body and that's me. In my opinion, whatever I did in my past is my business, not yours. Unless I have some sort of disease that I might transfer onto you, then it's your business because then it's your health at risk. Other than that, it's none of your business. Yeah, I'm sorry. I thought we were in the 21st century. I don't think I could bring it upon myself to feel concerned about the way any man thinks about my sexuality, which by the way, I don't even have a controversial sexuality. So that's why it further does not concern me at all. So I'm not like meaning that towards you. The hostility is more towards men who do think that way, who do think if they do think it concerns them. I mean, men who are like that, they're usually impotent and violent. And I don't want to be near them to begin with. 
If you're listening to this episode, fine fellow, you're impotent in my <laughs> I feel like I answered that from a very personal stance, but objectively, there is, of course, this fetishization surrounding women's virginity. It's really archaic and barbaric that we're still attaching the value of women to their hymen. I mean, that's what it comes down to. And on that kind of topic, similar but not, ghosting, because I've been talking about that a lot. What are your thoughts about ghosting and how do you deal with it? Because you guys, you know, say what you want to say. Will you go? after a guy who's ghosted you and be like, bitch, like I'm not letting that happen and confront them? No. 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 Personally, when my friends get annoyed that a guy, let's say, made the first move and messaged them first on an app and then kind of disappears, I tell my friends, I'm like, listen, he was bored for a split second because this is what I do to people, honestly. Sometimes when I'm really, really bored at 3 a.m. and I just got finished watching like 400 TikTok videos and I'm feeling like really sick of myself, I'm like, let's see if there's anybody attractive on this app. So I go on the app and I'm like, hmm, okay, I'll message this person. And then he answers. And then I fell asleep already when he answered. And then when I woke up in the morning, I'm like, oh my God, I have so many things to do. I'm so not bored anymore. And I don't answer them until a few months later when I'm bored again. So I tell my friends, I'm like, this is what he did to you. He was bored for a split second. He's probably hooking up with someone else. He just wants to see what's out there. So he messaged you because he thought you were attractive. And then he wasn't bored anymore. So he went bye-bye. That's it. But how about if it's someone that you've gone on a date with? Personally, when it comes to ghosting, I just think those people are pussies. I just think those are people who don't have the courage to just be honest and be like, listen, I'm not interested. And it's pretty fucked up. There was this one instance, a guy fell for me and I kind of just slowly slow faded him, which is another term. And later on, when somebody else kind of slow faded me, I was like, oh my God, this is what I did to him. I didn't even realize that that's what I did to him. And I ended up writing him this long paragraph about how sorry I am and how I really didn't mean to make him feel a certain way. That's nice. Many people wouldn't do that. I mean, yeah, he really appreciated it. I apologize for ghosting someone. I only did it once. We've definitely all ghosted before, even if it wasn't intentional, but we kind of just like stopped answering their messages because we're like, oh, I'm so not interested in this. Well, the thing is like there's ghosting and then there's also like you express to someone that you're not interested and you try to be polite and then they just keep sending these bizarre messages. And I don't want to have to be rude and say, hey, stop. You know what I mean? At that point, it's not your fault. If you flat out express to someone that you're not interested and they keep going and that's their problem. Behind the Rainbow is about being authentic and talking about your real life struggles. A game that I like to play with my guests is what's something that's challenging that's gone on in both of your lives in the past week or so that you are dealing with and how are you dealing with it or how did you overcome it? It doesn't have to be about dating. It can be about anything. Forcing myself to go on second dates. I have been on max, I think two third dates my entire life. And it's really hard for me to get excited about dates. And tonight I am going on a second date. The guy is awesome. I've never been on a date with such a gentleman in my entire life. Still, I find myself having to force myself to agree to a second date and I'm forcing myself to do it because I have to understand that I've only ever had fireworks the first time meeting someone once in my life and I really want that to happen again but I just have to realize that that's not something that happens often and sometimes you have to give a person a second shot and a third shot until you start to feel some butterflies or fireworks. So that's something I'm working on. Oh, he just texted me. How funny. He heard you talking about him. (laughs) In some cultures, they'd say he'd have a long life because when you talk about someone and then they call you or reach out to you it means that they're gonna have a long life so um because i'm in the middle of midterms right now i'm really sensitive i had a really long paper due at the beginning of this week and literally up until the moment i turned it in i was crying because i felt it wasn't good enough i wanted to have as much integrity as possible with doing my work it's just really hard for me to have ask something i need to put everything into it and i'm just always scared that i'm not good enough i have this weird insecurity in my english classes obviously english 
English was my first language, but I was learning Farsi simultaneously at home. And I feel like I still interact with the language a bit differently than some of the people in my class who are totally American. I don't know how to explain it. There is this kind of culture barrier and I feel like they have this advantage to the English language sometimes. I find myself not being able to articulate as strongly what I want to say. I feel like there are people in my class who actually aren't that intelligent, but they can say something much clearer than I can. It's a paranoia that I have. It stresses me out. I feel like nothing I do is ever good enough and I'm constantly, constantly bashing myself and putting myself down in my head. You have no idea how often I call myself stupid and I don't realize I'm doing it, by the way. I only realize that I've been doing it once I have a panic attack and I call my mom and she's like, okay, you've probably been putting yourself down for the last week and you're right now just having a breakdown from all of these thoughts accumulating. The struggle I have is that these attacks hit me in the middle of the night when I'm alone in my apartment. You kind of have this realization that we're all alone, even in partnerships and marriages to an extent. Only we can help ourselves to that degree. My mom has this expression, I forgot how you say it in Farsi, but it's like, if you have this itch on your back, only you know exactly where that itch is. Only you can scratch it yourself. Obviously, that's a bit of an exaggeration, but that's how I feel. I feel like I'm coming to terms with the fact that I need to handle just certain things on my own, which it's a very intimidating thought, but I'm just trying to get better at that. So my last question for you guys is if there's one final message and takeaway that you want listeners to take away from you guys on this episode, from everything you've done with your podcast, maybe the feedback you've gone observing the Persian community, being friends with each other and having all these conversations, what's a final message and takeaway you'd want people to take with you guys? I think everyone needs to kind of just let go, put yourself first. It's okay to be a bit selfish sometimes. I don't know, maybe some people don't need to hear this, but I feel like it's something I need to hear focus on yourself and what matters to you what's going to help you i feel like this is what natalie told me the other day don't be so concerned with how this is going to affect someone else especially if they're not going to be thinking about you i think it's more about putting yourself first your health first your well-being first and not caring so much about how it's affecting others i mean these are your decisions it's your life it's your business foremost no one else's so i think just letting go of that concern of what other people think just being authentic yeah I I agree with what Millie said. I think especially in certain communities where people tend to be more judgmental, no matter what you do, nothing's ever going to be really enough for them. Or no matter what you do, they're going to say whatever they want to say about you behind your back, whether it's true or not. So don't live your life for other people and how they're going to perceive you and how they're going to talk about you. Because everyone's going to find a problem with you if they're that type of person and they want to find a problem with you. So just do what feels right for you. Thanks, guys. So the outro I do is until next time. So I always ask my guests to do it. So do you guys mind saying until next time? Yeah, of course. <laughs> At the same time. Yeah. Until, until next, next time. time. <laughs>